Hey, 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 my loves. Hey, divine feminine, divine masculine. So, listen, I'm here for a short while, but for a good while. Um, pretty sure the thumbnail is going to have the title, Why It's So Hard to Attract Grocery Stores in Memphis. But I wanted to break it down. It is a 4 minute and 52 second um, video. But shout outs to Simply Said because... Once I started listening to her, I listened to the news differently. This one is a little bit of a, of a, it is a little business minded, but I think that there's so many things that we miss in the black community in terms of understanding business. One of the things um, that I learned from her, and again, you want to pay attention to who you listen to because you start to take on the mindset of that person and you start to learn and it starts to sharpen you up. To understand what's happening around you. And one thing that she always says is life is business. So when, you know, when when we hear things kind of like, oh, white supremacy, I want you to pay attention to who is advocating for the black community, who is having the news coverage. I'm, I'm going to get to a segment where there's a man who's trying to get business into these areas. And I also, uh, one of the guys that's featured on here, you know, uh, one of the things that has been coming up is that men are dying or, you know, are single and lonely. And so let's just get right into it. I'm going to go through it piece by piece. You already know my style. Um, so four minutes and 52 seconds, but I'm going to break it down based on everything I've been her- hearing, right, about, you know, uh, men about and, and again I'm, I'm learning i'm learning i'm learning y'all um i watched the the tutorial from mina from universe guru and i do want to escape that matrix i really do and i'm gonna talk about that in another podcast but but and so um also um breaking it down from socioeconomic behavioral business statistics investments right so let's go to drive from Memphis to Little Rock, Arkansas. That's how long one Memphis man spends taking the bus to get fresh, affordable food. WREG's Jessica Gertler finds out why it's so hard to attract grocery stores to certain parts of Memphis. So they're talking about food deserts. And, you know, we can always complain and say, oh, racism and white supremacy and all of this stuff. And I do have my my little bones to pick in terms of news coverage for when black women go missing and whatnot and and the reporting the crime. But here you have WREG News Channel number three dedicating investigative um, research journalistic efforts to cover this. Right. And it's almost if you listen to it, they're advocating like, hey, how can we get, you know, how can we address these food deserts? So you can't complain. Zaddy is really trying to help y'all out. But the question is, do we want to help ourselves? Let's go. It was a Friday afternoon when we met James Riley. And so uh, what they're showing right now on the screen is is um, I think it's did they say James Riley. It's an older man. Right. He is at a bus stop with four gross, literally four trash bags. No, uh, four grocery bags. Right. So he has no car. He has no wife, um, no children to take him every Friday to go get groceries. Okay. 
groceries next to him as he patiently waited for the bus. I carried the up there to Jackson and Watkins. Then I carried the one from Jackson and Watkins to down to Jackson and Earl. Riley lives in Smoky City in North Memphis. This Kroger at Cleveland and Poplar is one of the closest grocery stores. It's 1.8 miles from his home. Too far for the 66-year-old to walk. So it's only 1.8 miles from his house to get to the, um, to the Kroger. Leaving a long bus ride is his only option. Two hours and a half, Pop. Two and a half hours round trip, he says. <laughs> Do you notice how she... Because that... I caught that. He said two hours and a half. It's two and a half hours, sir. <laughs> Just to get fresh, affordable food. So that's why I did a date. I planned, you know, to come to the store today. Because I had time. Riley didn't always have... He's like, I'm sorry, y'all, but that took me. I was like, I had time today. <laughs> to take the time to do it. He used to have a grocery store in his neighborhood, but it closed, leaving gas stations, dollar and corner stores as his only option. And um, so they're saying that there was a store that was closer to him, but they exited out. And they're going to talk about it a little bit later in the podcast. I mean, in the, in the video, they're going to explain to you exactly why this supermarket withdrew its resources. All right. Unfortunately, Riley isn't the only one who lives in what the USDA calls the food desert. Low-income areas where many residents don't have access to affordable, healthy food. The neighborhoods are historically marginalized. Many residents don't have transportation where mostly people of color live. They include parts of North and South Memphis. And recently, Binghampton was added back to the list. I started uh, at Binghampton almost 15 years ago to bring Sable out there and I'm continuing on. Sean Massey is with... So that is a saddie that you hear. That is a white man. Okay. And you're going to hear him start to share how he is working with these um, communities to try to make sure that they don't have a food desert. Right? Does that sound like racism to you does that sound like discrimination does that sound like you know they hate us that much and they're trying to oppress us i don't know i know you tell me with the shopping center group which helped recruit save a lot to the gateway center in binghampton save a lot was doing okay at that location that's until the company underwent restructuring and closed hundreds of stores nationwide including the one in binghampton we could not find a grocery store that could replace the rent for save a lot most and again, so now we're talking about price implications. Remember, life is business, right? And um, he's going to break down, this is going to be very important, why they couldn't find another company to get the rents. Let's get into it. Most of them wanted a much lower rent. Uh, they wanted no risk. And that was not always possible. They don't want risk, y'all. And I think that, that we don't understand that. And and I'm I'm going to kind of insert this in here but I'm going to, you know, just bear with me you already know my style. You know, we I I'm fairly new to all the conversation that's going on with the Celtic Boston Celtics and you know what's going on with Ime um Udoku. But one of the things that came up and I don't know, I honestly, you know, never really quite heard of the Celtic Boston Celtics. Don't come for me. But um but one of the things that came up was, oh, they're racist, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, what you mean they're racist? They hired two black coaches. I don't understand why you're saying they're racist. But the thing is, the risk, 
the risk that came with hiring him is that he is just sleeping with us. Now, and they'll tell you, you know, that apparently this is just an everyday in the NBA. Everybody's sleeping with everybody and whatnot. So, but people don't want risk, right? And even when you see it with the supermarket, some of the things that have been covered is, you know, um, the shootings in the grocery stores, the going in and robbing, right? Um, constant stealing from that location, crime, right? Massey says the average supermarket operates on a 1% to 2% profit margin. It must be sustainable for at least a decade to recoup any profit. Do you hear that, y'all? So we like to be so, you know... Mm, Kind of like agitated with these superstores, and I, and I, <laughs> I remember I don't remember what uh, what was was it Aldo's, Aldi's, and um this is so funny, but uh it always tickles simply said when she remembers that one guy that was just like the contract ain't up yet, the contract ain't up yet. I don't understand why they're leaving. He's mad because they're not staying there for the. It takes them ten years. You guys, for them to recoup their profit at 1%. I just finished doing a um, podcast where I was listening to how you can use the um, credit strangle options method on the EFT for gold and how you can take out 1.5% return on your investment per week, per week. And here they are trying to get at least 1%. And um, one of the things that he talked about in the in the one that we did the podcast about gold, if you um, double your, I think your investment, um, I think is it every year for nine years, you will hit a million dollars or something like that. I think based on the numbers he was doing. So it takes them, I still have to say, it takes them at least 10 years to recuperate their costs. But if you're chewing away at high crime rates, high turnover rates, because, you know, the employees are being harassed, it's not a safe place, high crime rates, the insurance rate, insurance rates, they're going to look and see if, you know, if you're having to replace broken windows all the time, replace surveillance stuff all the time, hire security guards, those things take away from your profit. And now, mind you, most stores are counting on having a symbiotic relationship with their neighborhood, right? Um, one of the stores here in Southern California is Stater Brothers. And Stater Brothers, from the moment I was a child, I remember the programming is where your store you know, that's where we go to get our meat cut and to get our, you know, our fresh bread and to get all the other things that we need. And so it's this understanding that we're going to provide the refrigeration and the importing of the foods and, you know, um, stocking the stuff and have always have always had friendly um, customer service. I haven't shopped there in years, but that's w- what I grew up with. Um, I'm now shopping different grocery stores, but it's the idea that that's your, it's a symbiotic re- relationship, right? Oh, I got vitamin E in my eyes. Don't ask. Oh, so they're burning. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's the idea that, okay, 
I'm gonna, I'm going to, um, like shake your hand and you shake mine type of a thing where, or I'm gonna rub your back and you rub, no, you, I rub your, I scratch your back, rubbing and scratching it or not. I scratch your back and you scratch mine. So it's kind of like, okay, um, I've talked a little bit about how when I started to understand that for these grocery stores, how much it costs for them to put the stores in. The difference between them having a regular grocery store, like he said, the corner stores where it's just um, like Cheetos and Doritos and Frito-Lays and Skittles and gum and beer and liquor and bottled juices on the on the shelf. The difference between that and a grocery store is that the grocery store has to foot the bill of getting the refrigeration system in place. Right. So when you add refrigeration, it's already going to cost you at a minimum a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So that's to keep your lettuce and your carrots and your radish and and everything fresh and refrigerated and have the little sprinkler systems. That's not even talking about. I remember when I used to shop at Stater Brothers and even when I go to like Ralph's. There's a back, uh, there's refrigeration, refrigeration in the back, right? Where you keep all the dairy, the milk, the ice cream, the pastas, the, the ravi, frozen raviolis, the frozen fish, frozen whatever, right? Those things cost money and that's an additional expense that, um, grocery owners have to, to, you know, put in. And so that's why it's, it's also harder for you to get a grocery store in some of these areas, because if if you think about it, it's almost easier for me to say, well, let me just put up a grocery, um, what do you call it, a corner store. Really, if, if let's think about it. If it's going to cost me 50 to 100,000 to get a, cor- a corner store, no refrigeration, hire one or two people, maybe, maybe like maybe 20 people because you need um, around the clock shifts and stuff like that and stock and and restock and and that type of thing you know that's that's a that's it could be lucrative but if you're talking about now we have to have refrigeration for all the frozen foods for all the lettuce and in the back of the store and just the cost alone Plus, you have to have insurance on all on all of those things for parts and warranties. That stuff adds up. All right, let's get back into this. The retailer will extensively study the area, look at things like population, driving time, and demographics. They'll also look at the crime rate and consider... So did you hear that? They also look at the crime rates. Population, driving time, and demographics. They'll also look at the crime rate and consider insurance and security cost. He says high crime areas to them could mean more theft and shoplifting if they and so even as they're showing the building there it has all of these like um what do you call it like uh uh security guard rails on the windows so it's like what kind of life is that right that it's almost a prison and you almost have to worry about safety too because if it goes up in flames and people can't escape or break the windows to get out it's almost a trap, right? But the windows have been broken so many times and shooting so many times and high crime rates that it doesn't make it lucrative, you know, for them to uh, be in those areas. I'm going to rewind it just a little bit more. Hold on. He says high crime areas to them could mean more theft and shoplifting 
If they think it's too risky, they look elsewhere. I get a lot of no's, um, and we just got to deal with that every no is a step closer to a yes. Until that yes happens. I call all of my babies. <laughs> so I think I want to end it there. Even though it's um, 4 minutes and 52 seconds, they're, they're showing a woman that is growing greens and produce um, in that area. Let me see what it says here um, real quick. It's about if you don't have. As of 2020, more than 200,000 people in Shelby County are considered food insecure. Massey says grocery stores can change that and help build quality neighborhoods. It really makes a big difference. Massey says he's working with a minority-owned grocery store up north that's looking to build one to five stores here in Memphis. He says the city will have to offer incentives just like they have in the past. Take the super low here on Lamar for an example. When Kroger moved out several years ago, it donated the building to the city. And, the city and again, Kroger moved out. But, you, but they said, you know what? Let me donate the building to the city, y'all. Let me donate the building to the city. That might not mean a lot to you. I, I remember one time I was doing podcasts and I was talking a little bit about the dynamic between landlords and tenants. And I, I kind of caught myself in the podcast because... I'm trying to explain what it's like to be a landlord to people who aren't paying their rent for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, not taking care of the property. And at one point I was like, well, maybe y'all don't understand. A lot of us don't understand. I would want you. Listen, let me let me type in commercial grocery store real quick. I'm gonna, Let's do this. It's, it's too bad I don't have access to an MLS right now. So commercial grocery store. I'm going to tell you how much. Um, and, and I want you to kind of understand that sometimes we, we make these people out to be demons. When they're just trying to help you. Let me, let me see uh, for sale. Let me type in for sale. They're just trying to help you. But we demonize, like, it's like you bite the hands that, that are um, trying to feed you. Let me see here. State of Brothers. They're closing soon. Let me see if I can find one for sale. In the heartland of California. In the heartland. Let me see. So for sale, let's enter in. You know what? Let's try Memphis. Let's Let's try Memphis. Tennessee right is it Memphis Tennessee um so to to get a 5,000 that's this is for a gas station so to get a 5,000 square foot retail building gas station you're looking at 2.5 million here's a um 22,000 square foot retail building for 1.5 million dollars y'all almost 1.6 these ones are gas stations. This one's a Circle K. Um, this one has a 6% cap rate. So I think that's actually pretty good because um, in the video, in the video we were hearing that they want to have at least a 1% cap rate. So um, kind of makes you wonder why they're walking away from that. And they're asking for $1.1 million. 
Y'all, listen, next thing you know, come drive through the Mississippi Valley Boulevard, my Circle K. <laughs> wow. Um, here's another one. This is a Pep Boys. So let me just see here. Okay, here we go. So this is in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it is called Pretty Brothers Grocery. Um, this one is 5,370 square feet. It's a retail building. It was built in 1940. And it is going for 350000 So anyways, my point was I wanted to kind of share with you you know, that that is that company saying, you know what, we're not going to stay here, but we want to contribute something to the community, right? Um, and donate something that's worth $350,000, y'all. That's that's nothing to, if if you have $350,000, then, then you, by all means, you can go ahead and complain and say, you know, whatever this, that, and the third. But if you don't have $350,000 to give or to donate, I don't want to hear it. Okay, and so this one is saying um, it's adjacent to a tattoo shop included in the sale. It looks like it has good parking, y'all. Um, it has refrigeration for like the vending machine type drinks, but um, let's see if it has for lettuce and and that. So it doesn't. So if you wanted to make this a grocery store that wasn't kind of like just, um, you know, dry foods and that type of thing, you're looking at, at a minimum of another $100,000 to get, you know, do the upgrades to get lettuce and carrots and radish and dairy and milk and all that other stuff. So here it's saying something about the lease. um these properties are also for lease for $3,000 a month. Leasees shall be responsible for all maintenance and upkeep um, shown by appointment only. Um, let me see if there's anything else that might help you here. Oh, wow. Y'all, it says the adjacent tattoo shop is also included in this sale. Which offers an additional 1,900 square feet. Building is sold as is. Hey. So, um, yeah. I don't. I just don't want you to take for granted. You know, we say all of these things about, oh, the, the system. What was it that, that um, what that guy said? Um, we were looking at, did I close out the window I was in? I think I did. Let me go back. Um, can't do two things at the same time. Let me go back. <laughs> I think I closed out the video. Let's just take it as a sign. Oh, wait, I think I know what I did. I, uh, here we go. Let's finish playing the video. I'm going to go back like 10 seconds so you can hear what they said for incentives just like they have in the past. Take the super low here on Lamar for an example. When Kroger moved out several years ago, it donated the building to the city. And the city then donated it to Superlow. And I'm looking at the lot. So the one that I was quoting from you for you was only like what, 5,000 square feet. This is a huge, it, this is like maybe 20 times the size of the one that I quoted. So it has to be way more upwards of, 
you know, 350,000 or yeah, 350,000 has a huge parking lot. So just think about the considerable donation that they made to convince them to move in. And I think the city would step up if they found a retailer that was willing to go in there and take a risk. Then we have a whole lot of people down. You know, people wouldn't have to uh, uh, catch no rat. Or like Riley, patiently waiting for the bus, which finally came that Friday afternoon. The long trek for quality food. Too many have to endure. Jessica Gartler, WRG News Channel 3. Well, the Junior Achievement of Memphis in the Mid-South has since moved into Save-A-Lot space, but we're told that hasn't stopped efforts to get another grocery store in Big So, I don't know, y'all. I think that I don't know to what degree we want to play the victim anymore, and I don't know to what degree we want to continue to demonize the people that are trying to help, you know, um, and they don't look like us, you know, um... And I think that sometimes it's taken for granted. I think that it's one of those things where that community and and just our community in general is going to have to figure out, okay, do we want grandpa? And I don't even think he's a grandpa. I don't even, like I said, I don't even think he has kids from what it looks like. Um, You know, but to what degree do you want? grandpa having to to take two hours both way to go get four bags of groceries you know do we want to continue to kill each other have high crime have shoplifting and theft and think of all the jobs that would be available do we want to clean things up and kind of be like i don't think you want to come over here with the crime you know and hold these people accountable or would you rather just continue to have continue to have a food desert? I don't know. At some point, you have to, to reach a boiling point. Um, and I think that as much as, you know, the dominant society is trying to make things work, um, it would be nice to see the, the community say, you know what, we are committed to fixing this. But anyways, let me go back to what I'm doing over here. <laughs> I hope that was helpful. Bye.